everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to Law Students in Court podcast. My name is Ananda Leek, and I am the Digital Communications Director at Law Students in Court, and I'm bringing you another episode of Just Talk, our podcast series that has interesting conversations with social justice activists and thought leaders, like our guest today, Teresa Hodge. How are you, Teresa? I am well, thank you, and thank you for having me on the show today. It's a pleasure. We are huge fans of yours. Can you tell us about the social justice work that you're involved in with Mission Launch? And you've got some other projects, too, that you're involved in. Absolutely. Uh, Well, first of all, Mission Launch, um, I co-founded with my daughter, Lauren Hodge. And um, our work is really committed um, around building consensus um, on a regional level. Uh, We're currently doing our work in the D.C., Baltimore area, and we're starting to expand out into other cities and surrounding counties um, between D.C. and Baltimore. And we use kind of some creative, innovative approach to the reentry process, and reentry is defined as the period when a person exits prison or jail. And so our goal is to, we host hackathons, design thinking days, uh, we do pitch competitions and things like that just to bring a creative approach to uh, new strategies that could be implemented. We bring um, various stakeholders together um, in this creative um, environment to think of and kind of reimagine reentry and to look at ways that technology can be used to make reentry more efficient for stakeholders, for the government, uh, for taxpayers, and ultimately for those individuals who are coming home from prison who are desperately trying to become self-sufficient. Can you tell everybody where they can find Mission Launch online, the website and social media sites? Absolutely. Um, The name of our organization is Mission Launch, and it's spelled M-I-S-S-I-O-N colon launch. And our web address is mission-launch.org. You can find us on uh, Facebook and Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram um, is where we're pretty active. And just by putting in Mission Launch, you should be able to uh, find us. All right. So I know a little bit about your story. It's uh, one that has really been, um, there are no words. I'm speechless when I think about your journey. How did you get started in doing this work? And tell us about your journey. Okay. Well, it has been a very uh, long journey, to be honest. Um, In 2001, I was a co-founder of an organization, and that organization um, was investigated by the government. And I spent about five and a half years trying to defend both the organization and myself. I went to court to defend myself. I lost. 
And in losing, my punishment was a originally an 87-month federal prison sentence. And to be honest, I was devastated because this was my first time um, having any um, experience with the, justi- uh, the justice system. And um, I just was completely unaware of the criminal justice system and its impact on our citizens. And so that basically seeded uh, the work that I'm currently doing. I kind of, I always tell people when I went to prison, and I went to prison in 2007, so literally seven years, six years later after my case started, um, I went to prison. So I went to prison both exhausted and pissed off, quite frankly. Um, and I just felt like what happened to me was um, an injustice, and I just vowed that it was not going to be my end. And I spent a lot of time while I was in prison studying, um, observing what was going on around me. I went to Alderson Federal Prison Camp in Alderson, West Virginia, about five hours from where I currently, uh, from where I was living at the time, and from where my family was. And a lot of women um, from the D.C. area would come there, and you know, often what happens is. People go to prison, they come home, and then about 65% of the people who go, come home often go back within the first three years. So while I was there, I witnessed lots of women returning back. And for the life of me, I could not understand why would someone come back to prison because what I knew and understood was prison life was no way of really living. And so I would just spend time just trying to deeply understand what had gone wrong um, from the time that a person had left prison or had, I mean, yeah, had left prison to coming back. And so it was just kind of disturbing. And some of the things that I discovered was uh, the reentry process is just very challenging, quite frankly. And um, a lot of people, it wasn't their intention to come back to prison, but they were unable to connect to uh, social services. They were unable to get jobs. They were unable to connect back to their family members and or their their community in a way that made sense for them. And as a result of that, they were coming back to prison. And so as an entrepreneur who was sitting in prison, I spent lots of time just writing, developing um, ways that I could not only help other people, but quite frankly, help myself. Because going to prison, I knew, had turned my entire world and uh, life and livelihood upside down. And the solutions that I um, was seeking for others, I was seeking for myself. So as a result of that, when I came home from prison in uh, 2011, I came home from prison and I spent the first six months at a DC halfway house. And after that, I spent three years on probation. But while I was on probation, my daughter Lauren and I began to launch. We launched Mission Launch. Um, But we had spent many hours in visiting rooms really just talking about what um, the solutions should look like. And as an entrepreneur, I knew coming home from prison that I was going to, I wanted to go be an entrepreneur again. I felt like it was going to be very challenging for me to get back on my feet and for someone to be willing to invest in me and believe in me again as an employee, which I later found out that I was accurate. 
And um, so Mission Launch was really formed out of my own personal lived experience and then also out of necessity. Wow. Everybody, you just heard a chunk of her story, but not the full story, because I keep envisioning that you and Lauren or you by yourself will write a book at some point. I'm just throwing it out there. You don't have to comment. <laughs> well, well, I will tell you that is something that is in the works. Um, okay. Yeah, and actually it, it's a project. for Since 2001, I have been documenting my journey. Mm-hmm. I've been documenting my experiences. I've documented my emotions even. Um, as I was going through lots of this process and have boxes of uh, information that has not yet been published. And it, it is mm-hmm. our intention to maybe next year start really sitting down and putting some of this out there. I wanted to get to a place where there was a some healing already that would have taken place because I wanted to make sure that I just didn't write from a place of brokenness completely and and pain, and yet I wanted to make sure that some of those emotions were captured. But I heard something recently, and it said that, you know, it was talking about the whole blogging phenomenon, and it was saying that often people are blogging um, when they're in a dark place, and the teaching moment is when you're often, you know, on the other side of it because you have a little bit more reflection. So I'm feel like I've gotten, I've come home enough and I'm settled enough um, in my emotions in my life where I have some experiences and reflection that I can offer that would be valuable to, to someone. So something I think might be coming or, you know, at least we'll write it for ourselves if nothing else. No, I know something's coming. I'm affirming that. I know it. I'm <laughs> out there. So well, thanks. You told us your story, a chunk of it. Why is this work so important? Why do people need to know about why this is so important? Uh, well, you know, there's so many reasons why this work is important. And um, I just think about myself. It wasn't important to me until it was important to me. And it wasn't important to me until it affected me. Um, with one in four Americans um, believed to have an arrest or a conviction, it's important because we're talking about 25% of our citizens, our fellow citizens, who have an arrest or a conviction. Um, I'm sure you've stated this over and over, but America has 5% of the world's population and 25% of the world's prisoners. Americans are not that bad. You know, we have gotten to a place where we are um, over-incarcerating our citizens it's estimated that 80 million to possibly 100 million people in this country have an arrest or a conviction, and roughly about 650 to 700,000 people um, are coming home from, pris- from prison or jail every year. So this impacts all of us um, directly and or indirectly. Um, we all pay for this very expensive proposition called incarceration. And it doesn't make sense. We spend so much money incarcerating individuals when we could take that same amount of money or less money and um, seed communities that are under-resourced and begin to help um, individuals out. 
Um, the other thing is it's important because it goes against our values and the value um, that America has. Um, America is the land of second chances. People from all over the world uh, you know, will risk their lives um, to come here and to be a part of this country. And the people who we are arresting often um, are our citizens. And when they have successfully satisfied their prison sentence, it's their right to be able to get back on their feet. It's their right to become self-sufficient and take care of themselves if they're able to do so. And we should not make um, coming home so challenging. What keeps you engaged in doing this great work? Um, I think it's the resiliency of the people that I met while I was incarcerated. When I was in prison, um, I went to prison afraid. Um, I had allowed television and perhaps the news media to inform me about who was in prison. And when I got to prison, I was shocked. I was shocked by how normal folks were in prison, quite frankly. And I was shocked by all of the types of people who I found in prison, people like me and people who weren't like me, but yet we all wanted the same thing. We wanted to get back to our communities. We wanted to be law-abiding citizens when we came home. We wanted to attack to our, uh, attach back to our families, take our children to daycare and participate in family events and faith-based activities. And um, so I think that I continue to see the faces. I will never forget the stories. I will never forget the families. Um, and as long as there is a great need for this, I just believe today it is my life's uh, work. I cannot imagine today doing anything um, other than this work. So I wake up pretty excited uh, about this work, and I don't just say that, but I am uh, very passionate about this work. I am excited uh, to do something that I really, really, really enjoy doing. It's hard. Don't get me wrong. There are some days um, where I have to uh, push self-care into gear a little bit more than other days because it is uh, breathtaking still. Some of the things that I learned, I went to prison. I came home. Um, I understand this uh, topic very well. And yet every now and then I hear a story or I learn of a situation or an um, obstacle for people to get back on their feet, and I find myself, you know, surprised. So it, it's interesting work, even though, you know, I consider myself an expert around the topic of prison and prison reentry. It's very interesting work, and I just um, I feel like we're in a good time where there's opportunity for criminal justice reform to really happen in our lifetime. And I'm grateful to the Obama administration for um, making this one of their agendas. I'm uh, grateful that somehow it's the one thing that uh, there's bipartisan support for, um, real reform. So all of those things um, make me feel like we ha I have to seize a moment and work my very best for the 2.3 million people who are still in prison today. Lessons. I know you learned several, probably numerous, too many to name <laughs> from doing this work. 
Can you share some of them with us? Well, you know, the greatest lesson um, I think that I learned um, is there's no one-size-fit-all approach to prison reentry. So many people, when I um, speak out, they'll raise their hand and they say, okay, so you can, can you tell me what's the one thing we need to do? And um, when people say that, I kind of laugh because the thought is we don't send one type of person to prison. So what makes any of us think that we can have one solution? Um, so that's one of the things that I've learned is that one, there's not a one-size-fits-all approach um, and that we have to educate individuals, communities about that. Um, another lesson that I've learned is that those of us who are directly impacted by mass incarceration are best suited to be a part of solutions where we need to be at the table because our voices, our experiences um, matter. Not only do they matter, but they will help to shape the right solutions. Um, So often I'm engaging with individuals who've never been to prison, um, very well-intended individuals, but as they're talking about solutions that could work for this population, they're doing it from a deficit. They're doing it without having the experience of incarceration, which is really important. And because they don't have the experience of incarceration, their solutions are sometimes a little void of um, reality. So that's another lesson um, that I've learned. The other thing is there's always a work to be done to dispel the preconceived notions and biases um, about this population. Often when I'm talking about the work and for people who don't know me and don't know uh, my story and don't, um, they don't look at me as a person who looks like they should have gone to prison as if incarceration has a single face. Um, They will talk about these individuals as if I'm not one. And I take a little bit of pride in a sense of saying, you do know I went to prison, right? Um, in, In a sense of saying, like, let's not just think that prison only impacts a specific population. We don't think about women. We don't think about mothers um, who go to prison. And although women are just a small percentage of the population, and certainly black men, um, black and brown people are uh, disproportionately um, affected, inside of a prison, you will find all types of people uh, who look like you, me, your neighbors, the person next door. And so that's a, another lesson um, that I've learned. And those are just a few. There, there are lots of them out there, uh, lessons. But I think those are uh, a few that are at the top of my list. Oh, thank you for sharing them. One thing I wanted to um, have you talk a little bit about is the work that you've been doing with Glenn Martin's Just Leadership Organization. We had him on the show about two weeks ago, and I know that you all have a connection, and I want Mm -hmm. folks to to know more about that. Mm -hmm. 
Well, um, Glenn is fantastic as an advocate and has been doing this work um, long before I even knew about uh, really criminal justice um, reform and reentry. Uh, he formed an organization, Just Leadership USA, and it is to promote um, the voice and advocacy efforts of individuals who um, have an arrest or conviction. I was a part of the inaugural cohort that uh, started, so I am a Just Leadership um, alum. And um, it was a one-year program of leadership training, some coaching, mentoring, and um, some really good training to help me um, improve my advocacy efforts. So it's a good program. Normally they select about uh, 20 people a year to participate in their uh, year-long programming. All right. How can people support you and the work of Mission Launch? Well, um, again, I think one of the best ways that they can do it is to um, come to our website, follow us on social media. We're usually pretty active on social media. Um, come out to some of the events that Mission Launch hosts and um, if you're local, and just get involved. I think the other thing that people can do is don't allow the media alone to shape their understanding um, of people who go to prison and to um, really challenge themselves to think about this population and to think about this problem a little bit differently and just to seek greater understanding and begin to vote against um, legislation that goes against their value system, legislation that goes against the ways that they believe their tax-paying dollars should be spent. Um, and I, I think that's one of the ways that they can get involved. But I also have a project that I'm working on independently of Mission Launch, and the website I'm anticipating will be released by the time um, this show airs. And um, that project is called Unlock Inclusion. And the website is unlockinclusion.com. And via Unlock Inclusion, well, actually, let me just step back just a little bit. I was recently named an Open Society Foundation Sorrows Justice Fellow. And my project is around tech inclusion, the digital divide, and individuals who've been to prison. And for 18 months, I am advocating by way of this fellowship for tech inclusion for people with arrest or convictions. One of the things, you know, the inclusive movement as a whole is kind of everywhere. But even in our inclusion, one of the things that I noticed was we have people who have been to prison still locked out of those inclusion conversations. And so unlock inclusion is um, me advocating for the tech community to create pathways to high-paying um, job opportunities for people with arrest or convictions and to begin to look at this population a little differently for um, government to begin using tech to improve how they do business and engage with this population and service providers and um, really trying to get more individuals with arrest or conviction to look at tech and explore it. So there's I'm hoping to get really 
loud online and to put some strong campaigns together between now and December uh, 2017, which is how long my fellowship will last, around the need for digital inclusion for people with arrest or convictions. All right. That's exciting. Well, we look forward to having you back so you can talk more about the Unlock Inclusion. Did I get it right? Unlock Inclusion, absolutely. All right. All right. Yep. It sounds like this is going to be super hot in the best <laughs> way. I'm ex- I am so excited about it. Um, I've had some early conversations with some tech companies. I was out in um, Silicon Valley last week, really excited um, seeding this conversation um, with some tech companies. I hope soon to have some good announcements um, to make. And I was really shocked that they are open. They understand this problem. And um, I believe that many of them are interested in supporting this population, uh, be it through employment opportunities and or funding um, opportunities for this population to learn to code or better understand um, technology. Well, we wish you much success. We know that it will be a success because we look at everything that you've already done with Mission Launch and all your other efforts because you and your daughter Lauren are involved in so many different um, spaces in the reentry and the women in prison movement and in the tech inclusion movement. I see you all going to South by Southwest. (laughs) (laughs) We're trying. Well, you know, I am trying to take this topic to places and people who are Mm -hmm. not normally um, looking at this population. I use my face and my voice for all of us who have an arrest or conviction and who are not necessarily voiceless. They just don't have platform. They just don't have the opportunity to participate. And so I think it's important that uh, it was important to me to not come home and hide, but to stand up and tell my story. And what I discovered was every time I told it, I felt better. Every time I told it, I felt empowered. And so I have lots of friends who I did time with who this is not the path that they've chosen, but, you know, they are rooting me on. So I you know, often feel like I stand alone, but I stand with many um, around this movement, and I am just really excited and hopeful for what's to come. Can you tell us a little bit about your South by Southwest experience this past year in, in 2016, and then what's coming up for 2017? Because I, I, I know what's happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, last year we went, uh, Lauren and myself, and we took with us Marcus Bullock, um, he is the founder of FlickShop and um, a young man who did time in prison um, as a juvenile, spent eight years in prison, came home and is just doing phenomenal things. He started a, a tech company of all things and is just really doing well keeping family members connected um, with their loved one in prison by way of their cell phone, by taking pictures and turning them into postcards and sending them in. So we went there and we just talked about how there is what we believe a boom that's going to happen that includes technology and this population and how important it is for us to build apps and websites and all types of things 
specifically for this population like we do for all other communities and populations. And even more so, we wanted to really just elevate how important it is for those of us who've been to prison to build these apps or to be at the table and be compensated when these apps are going to be built. So we enjoyed our experience there of sharing. It was well-received. And um, I put a proposal in for this upcoming year for a panel to be around women, and it's called the United uh, State of Incarcerated Women, and just really wanting to elevate beyond Orange is the New Black um, women and really just highlight women who have, have been to prison, who have experienced it, and allow us to tell our stories, our experiences, which are often different than the experience of our male counterparts who serve time in prison. Um, there's so many women who are impacted by incarceration, even when a man is uh, connected to uh, prison. Women are often left at home um, being heads of household, supporting a family void of that person's involvement and financial support um, as mothers and daughters and wives and girlfriends. Um, But in addition to that, women are the fastest-growing population, one of the fastest-growing populations going to prison. And it's important that as we um, talk about everyone, that we make sure that we leave room for our experiences and our needs to be heard. All right. Well, you know you can always come back to Just Talk podcast series anytime you like to talk about whatever it is that you are doing because we support you. And we Thank know you that so much. You're welcome. We are welcome, and we know that this year and next year are just going to be awesome years for you. Well, thank you so much. We are so excited, and I know Mission Launch is talking to some of the uh, uh, folks over there at Law Students in Court about um, helping with a technology initiative, and so we have our fingers crossed and just are believing that next year we'll be able to do some good things together, and I... Um, well, I'm looking forward to coming back um, at another time, anytime you invite me. And then since I'm launching a podcast of my own, I would certainly love for you to come and share your work um, on my podcast channel as well. All right. Well, I will keep that in mind and let staff know. Have All right. <laughs> a fantastic rest of your day. And everybody, before we let you go, we want you to do a few things. First of all, go to our website at dclawstudents.org and read our blog and stay up to date on what's happening with us. Take a trip online and visit Facebook and like us at facebook.com backslash dclawstudents. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Justice and connect with us on LinkedIn. Thanks again, everybody. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.